Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. Hello and welcome to Throwing Jabs. I'm Big Jace, joined as always by my man Jerry Jones and Joe McGuire. And we got a big show, big MMA show. We're going to talk about some Twitter beef between two megastars in the UFC, as well as some Bellator and UFC fights coming up later today. But let's start with the fights that already happened. Starting off with last night, former WBO Junior featherweight champion Emmanuel Navarrete claims another division's belt in the WBO featherweight title as he <laughs> defeats Ruben Villa via unanimous decision. Now, Jared, I know you have been the biggest critic of Emmanuel Navarrete. So what did you think of this fight? Ooh, never a test. I'll tell you what. First, first of all, this is a... Uh... This is a big step up for the champion. Uh, a big step up for the champ. I never want to say those words again, yeah. but never a test. We're going to talk about him like that. So he fought this guy, Isaac Dogbay, number seven in the world. He was number three or whatever at the time. Two great fights. Beat him twice. Awesome. Two top 10 guys banging out. Loved it. Here are the rankings of the fighters. That Navarrete has fought since 89, 71, 72, 36, 284, and now number 15, Ruben Villa. And when I tell you Navarrete was exposed in this fight, he was outpointed, he was outpunched. Um, sometimes judges fall asleep. There's rounds that a guy's dominating a fight, dominating a fight, and you have this really close round where you wonder if the judges just gave that round to the guy that had dominated the fight so far. So Villa went down in the first. He went down again in the fourth. The fifth round was very close. And Villa dominated the sixth round, hands down. You look at these judges' scorecards, you wonder if they fell asleep in the fifth. Because if that fifth round goes to Villa, you have two 113 cards, and this is a draw. This yeah. kid's 18-0 and 0 with five knockouts, so we knew he couldn't punch. And without being significantly stronger, Navarrete got outboxed. If he doesn't get those knockdowns, he loses this fight. I mean, was this as was this as close as I thought it was? I would not have been mad when I got to the end of the fight. I would not have been mad with a draw. I thought it might be a draw with two knockdowns. This is our yeah. champion fighting the number fifteenth ranked guy with getting two knockdowns and getting outpointed everywhere. Now the division he's in now, Josh Warrington's number three. Josh Warrington will smash Navarrete. Gary Russell Jr.'s third. He will smash. Navarrete, Shakur, Shakur Stevenson's in this weight class. Joette Gonzalez, maybe that's a decent fight. But uh, he's if 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 Villa's out outclassing you, those guys are gonna smash you, dude. Mm -hmm. 
I see. I saw it a little bit differently than you did, Jared. Villa's a, a really good fighter. Clearly not strong enough. His punches weren't powerful en enough to hang with somebody of this stature. He did move up from from junior to featherweight for this fight. Might have bit off a little more than he could chew. What I thought I saw after the first round, Navarrete thought he was going to win this fight, and I think he thought he was going to win it easily. And, you know, he reminded me kind of of my cat. Sometimes my cat's sitting there and he gets a mouse and he starts slapping the mouse around. And he doesn't just, you know, he didn't just go for the kill. He, he messes with it. And then I look back over and he's bit the thing's head off. You know, I think, I think Navarrete thought he was he was going to finish him off i'm really disappointed that he that he couldn't knock this guy out and I, and i agree with you i i don't think he's he's up for josh warrington or gary russell jr um maybe maybe kid uh galahad possible matchup maybe uh jesse magdaleno somebody so somebody maybe. who could sort of work him back into a in, into a title shot but i don't i don't think he's there his last three opponents by the way have a record of 52 18 and 2 so yeah. maybe start fighting some some more quality guys like villa uh and get yourself back on track and you look at villa's opponents like that that's the thing is this is supposed to be the champion and yet everybody he's fought seems to be fighting tougher guys than he is you skip yeah. back the the fight before this one, 284th ranked. What champion fights the 284th ranked guy in his weight class? You don't get that in NCAA sports. Why are no. we getting it in pro boxing? Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I do think that just watching Navarrete fight, I, he I, he's more of a fighter than he is a boxer. Like you said, Jared, you go like Villa outboxed him, but Navarrete, he, he's a fighter. He's just going in for the kill every time. It, it's it looks ugly. He looks wily. He's not really like throwing combos. Oh, he's throwing, yeah, unorthodox. <laughs> He's he's off balance, throwing punches. He's not throwing combos. He's throwing like pu single punches at a time. But it, it is working. I mean, I know he's not taking. This was his toughest test. I, you I come think out of this with a draw. It didn't work. And just and if you just look at the Danny Garcia ish style of Ruben Villa, if I can if I can make that comparison. Um, and think about, is Gary Russell Jr. capable of landing those combinations that Villa was throwing? Oh, absolutely. And does he have more power? Yeah, and a little more speed and a little more pop, and he smashes his dude. He, they, those other guys in the top of this division he went to, but I, man, I can't wait. He better stay fighting guys in the 70s and 200s and stuff because he doesn't want any of those dudes in the top five. No, no. way. I, I mean, and I have been hard on this guy, but when well, as soon as you get that belt and you label yourself a champion and you have back-to-back -back fights with Dog Bay that look like that, you got to bring it, man. You got to fight the next guy in line. How old is this still? Like, you're too young to – come on, man. Yeah. You can't go Floyd Mayweather on us at 24. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. You're right. What you're getting pretty much. Yeah, no kidding.
But this fight also reminded me a little bit of Triple G versus Canelo, too. Um, Canelo came in very aggressive, uh, looking to finish the fight, as Navarrete did. And Villa, just like Triple G in that, that fight, stick, stuck to the boxing. Triple G utilized the jab. Villa was able to use utilize footwork and combos. And uh, it, it does bring into the conversation, like, how important is ring control when it comes to scoring a boxing fight? I, I know in UFC it's really big, but like when you are the aggressor, when you are coming forward, no, no matter if you are getting jabbed out, if you are still landing a couple big punches, I think the refs see the aggressor, you coming forward, it favorable for yourself. What do you think well, of that, Jared? That's what that's why I say you get a different judge who prefers the jab and the points and the artistry. This is a draw. You give him that fifth round, and this is a draw. But and that's and that's um that's the risk that both Navarrete and Villa run when you can outbox everybody but can't outpunch anybody. You're leaving it up to the judges to see that you outbox the guy, you know. And if you can only jump in and throw wild punch, man, this guy's gonna get beat up man <laughs> Navarrete is gonna get beat up this is not gonna work dude this is I get it but you need to man I I think I think that I'm not the only one who sees this and his handlers are being as careful as uh as they can with this guy effective aggression plays well with judges and yeah. while he was getting his face popped with jabs Navarati certainly brought the fight to Villa True. and his punches while they were less of them were much more impactful and, and Jared I'm with you if they would have called this a draw I would have been like yeah Villa man you earned it uh, uh, you yeah, totally you to totally would have felt that way and, and would have been right to feel that way I, I, I thought for sure Navarrete was going to win this fight by decision. Never in a million years did I think it would be this close, nor did I think I would be willing to say if this was a draw, I'd have been all right with it. I didn't think well, that, and that's what you ended up with, and that's that's bad news for, for Navarrete, for, for sure. Yeah, well, and, I, and it makes me feel bad for Villa, honestly, because... I always felt bad for that kid in the gym that just didn't have the power. He has the chin and he's going to taste durable and takes all the punches and outboxes just about, you know, everybody in there, world class athletically, but just can't punch. Malinaji comes to mind. Danny Garcia is a good one. You know, you just, you're so slick and smooth and fast, but you just don't have that extra pop. So you're going to go all those rounds with, you know, these Roberto Duran types and take all that money. I mean, it made me feel bad for Villa. There ought to be a way for him to win this fight. You know, it's why we box so that Villas can beat Navarrete's. Yeah. You know, the little guy can defeat the big guy if he if he works all the angles and has the experience. Well, Jared, not for nothing, but David didn't go the distance with Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. I'm just saying it's it's a beautiful story and it worked in Rocky. You know, it, it worked <laughs> with Chuck Webner, but I, I don't think if David would have gone the distance with Goliath, that 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 Bible story would have would have had the same point to it. You gotta Villa's gotta take him out, and that was an impossible task for him. 
he certainly fought. I think the he went in there with the game plan he wanted. He executed it. And to walk away on the short end of the stick is reality, I think, for a, a guy coming into a weight class and, and maybe just not having enough of the power to hang with. with Again, somebody who's, I want to say, one of the big boys, but not even. By decision, by two points with two knockdowns. Yeah, yeah. Navarrete's got this, this. He's got uh he's got another thing coming when he starts fighting the, the better guys in this weight class. I but I would have liked to see him fight the better guys in the other weight class before he moved up. You yeah. know, you know, don't act like you cleaned out the division and now you're gonna start fighting undefeateds in the next weight class. That's not what happened. You didn't fight anybody in the top 35. Right. Clear your division before fights. you move up. I think that's if you're gonna move up. You, 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 if you haven't cleaned out like everybody at least in the top five, stick around. Yeah, a couple of those guys, anyways, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. But uh, let's switch focus to the UFC and <clears throat> recap last week's fight. Holly Holm dominant, dominantly <laughs> defeats Irene Aldana. One judge given <laughs> nice uh, 10 8. Uh, this was interesting for me because Holly Holm. She utilized her wrestling a lot in this fight. Five takedowns, I think. Jared, what did you think of this fight? <laughs> I was in my glory, man. <laughs> oh, God. All the things I said about Holly Holm and how the moving from Navarrete to Holly Holm, the person that's cherry-picking opponents and not fighting anybody good versus, a, a, I mean, Holly Holm's last 10, like I said, you could put those 10 opponents against any fighter in any combat sport and say that she's fought the toughest last 10 people of anybody anywhere, pound for pound. Yeah. And then you put her in against this number six girl. She looks great. Only John Jones has, has a better takedown defense percentage in UFC history. And she is thoroughly dominated and outclassed. I, I turned to my wife and said at the end of the second round, if Holly can do this for three, like I could see her getting tired, but at, at every, every point at every checkpoint, it was Holly home. That's how much better all those girls are than everybody else. You put all the girls in the division up and you tell me who Holly home fought. There's nobody else there. And that's why she's lost these fights. This wasn't just a W. Like, she dominated somebody who's supposed to be number six. If that's the difference between what was home ranked going into it? Two? Yes. If that's the difference between yeah. two and six. If those are the baddest seven chicks on the planet and you're giving me number three versus number seven and that's the difference. <laughs> Holly Holm is a bad bitch. You'll recall last week I was making fun of Paulo Costa for not using his Brazilian, his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And similar here, uh, Aldana wants to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a trained professional boxer. How is that going to work out for you? Notice the same thing we talked about. I mentioned in her last fight, Aldana had a knockout of the year. Was it knockout of the year nominee for a beautiful yeah. left that, that she threw? One of the things I mentioned was, and Jared, we talked about this a couple times, you and I, off the show as well, her lack of head movement, which in the pocket was right back to it. Here's my head, Holly. 
take a shot. I, I mean, I love how Holly dominated this fight. This woman is is clearly one of the best. And if we're talking boxer, Jared and I are in the same camp, the best. When you're talking about MMA, she can go toe-to-toe with anybody in this division except Amanda Nunes, and nobody can. So that's fine. Um, that's just the way it is. But th- this this was this was a very dominant Holly Holmes Um if anybody is concerned about her, what she turned thirty-eight, I think I think I think she's uh, I think she's gonna be all right till she's forty at least. I think I think Holly Holm is uh, is good to go going forward here. Yeah. Now, we, Joe, you mentioned how the Paul Costa comparison, but uh, Holly Holm, this fight, also going back to the Megan Anderson fight. She she's starting to realize her wrestling, and I think it was the uh, the fight with Misha Tate where she lost a belt, and there were she put a picture of her in a gi with a white belt on, saying "Time to go back to work." So now let's like we know she's got the striking capabilities, we know that she's fought these top girls before, but now with this new addition of the wrestling and the takedowns and the ground game. How does she – can she get back some of the losses that she had with these upper echelon women? Jared, I think she I'm certainly – Jared, I think she's earned a shot at some of them. Yeah. I think she certainly if, – if this is – if there's a new game to be played here uh, and coming off this performance, I think – I think they're – yes, Jace, 100%. You have to. If this is the number two – and she dispatches a six like that. Where where else is that? Who do you want to fight? Four, three? Like, I mean, you you matched up two and six and two smashed six. Dude, it never it never looked like oh man. I this was this was awesome because I kept waiting for that girl that couldn't be taken down. And that uh, that knockout of the year, I kept waiting for that girl. Never showed up. She was she was out of her league. She was outclassed, ranked number six in the world, and outclassed, like you said, Joe, by a girl, by by a woman who could fight any other woman on the planet in any style, and put up a fight. Aside from maybe Amanda Noon, and yeah, that's the one nobody should be fighting. Mm. All right, let's stick with the UFC, go into some current events, and we got a big one here. John Jones and Israel Adesanya go back and forth on Twitter. Now, Joe, you're going to be taking John Jones. Jared, you're going to be Israel Adesanya, and we're going to go, we're going to recreate the back and forth here. So, here we uh, go. before we. Before we start, I just want to say I got my test results back from my 23 and me, and I'm black. About a quarter black. I'm 18% South African and 3%. Yes, you are. 3% Nigerian. So I just wanted to say that uh, I wish my fellow Nigerian had taken the high road here. He did not. No, he didn't. (laughs) Playing the part of John Jones will be Joe Aguirre. Israel Adesanya will be played by Jared Jones. You ready for this? Let's do it, brother. Fighter and coach is mentioned in my name in interviews, but refused to sign the dotted line. Straight ho shit. Mention a man's dead mother over the internet, but look at the fight. 
Jared Cannonier. He got choked up because he was talking about his mom. Let's see him actually stop ducking the heavyweights. I've set my plan in this game from the jump. No man ever forced my hand. LOL. If I wanted more attention, I would sign with a world-class talent agency. Maybe buy a few Ferraris and move to Miami. You're sadly mistaken. Oh, it's me again. <laughs> Costa lost the fight the day he signed the contract to fight for the championship. His new fame defeated him before the fight even started. Kid just stood there in front of a kickboxer and showboated for the cameras. Don't compare me to someone who's proven nothing. I've been famous since I was 21. Who gives a shit about being hot? Do you know how many hot people I've seen come around since I've been here? Many. McGregor is the only fighter who inspires me on a business level. Everyone else, I just respect as an athlete. What do you do when John Jones murders you with facts? Tell a cocaine joke. Maybe it'll distract the fans from thinking about what was actually said. Do you dummies even know how contracts work? Some of y'all never even seen one. Sign the contract. <laughs> Fuck records. You should know how many criminal records you got. You've lost your belts how many times? Damn. LOL. Exactly. What does this have to do with us fighting? More distractions from the actual conversation. LOL. Ben Cocktease and heavyweight move for seven years. He'll never do it. He can just wait in line like the rest of them. McGregor came and made Ireland look like royalty. You came and made African men look weak. Get the fuck out of here. Soft. <laughs> all right that was a lot to die recreation <laughs> that was that was great well done, brother. Well done. uh from my perspective reading this and listening to you two go back and forth honestly my I, I this is a fight i want to see this is gonna sell this is going to be one of the biggest pay-per-views ever in ufc history if not the biggest but uh it's nice to see fuel add to the fire but John Jones looks like a bully here. He, he's the higher weight class, and it seems like he's just picking on a guy uh, below him. What do you think of this, Jared? Well, that's why I say I wish I, I wish you know I wish Fam had taken the high road. Like you had, you had an opportunity here. We know we know John Jones' history with cocaine. We know his history with ducking drug tests. Uh, we know his history with having the belt stripped from him. Like, I don't think anybody out there who cares about your Twitter beef with John Jones doesn't know that John Jones already did all of these other things. So, so let's add being disrespectful on Twitter to John Jones list. Adesanya, on the other hand, has been wildly entertaining and kept his head out of this for the most part. So it's kind of like, for me, it's like, you, you didn't need to go down there and tell people John Jones is a POS in your opinion. Like we, okay. We're, we've all already drawn our own opinion about that. You just look like, you know, I'm not sure who said it, but it's a famous quote. Be careful how long you spend arguing with an idiot because from a distance, it's tough to tell who's who. I love that. That's great. This is, I, I think John Jones is confused right now. <laughs> I do. I think John wants to be a heavyweight. I think the reality of not being undefeated. You know what I mean? 
I think the idea of not being able to dominate a division like he's been doing has become less appealing to him. We talked about that fight last week. Reason maybe for him to stick around with uh, Blachowicz, uh, Blachowicz and, and, and Reyes. Maybe another tumble with Reyes. He's got a lot of options now. Yeah. But what's the one fight that I think John definitely thinks he could win is if Israel Adesanya throws 20 pounds on and comes and plays in John Jones' yard. Because, and I love Israel Adesanya, but if he packs on the weight to go fight John Jones, he's not winning that fight. He's not winning that fight at light heavyweight. I, I, I don't think that that's possible. And I love Israel Adesanya, so I get why John is running his mouth. Because I think it's a fight he'd love to get. Yeah. And a fight we'd love to see, but unfortunately, yeah, it's not the greatest move for Adesanya. Yeah, this is a bad matchup for Adesanya. Everyone, like, if they're in the middle of the ring, striking-wise, this would be a great fight. I, I don't know who would win. Yeah, John Jones has the length and stuff, but I, I think it'd be very interesting, a striking fight. But John Jones, junior college national champion wrestler. Like, I, I understand it's junior college, but... He's not smart. You can see by the, how many times he's been arrested. He's not smart. Obviously, he's not going to Division One. So it is a powerful drug. <laughs> you're right. You're right. But uh, yeah, John Jones just will be able to take down Israel Asani. So this fight, it's ridiculous. Uh, I do think I mean, John I'm Jones. Not sure. Won. I mean, it's a fight. We we can't yeah. say for sure how how Adesanya looked packing that weight on. We can say it's like doesn't seem like the greatest business decision. But You're we right. also just said after his last fight, who else is there? You know, he cleaned house. Maybe he does move up. Um, I would. This would be one of my most uh, greatest uh, disparities between root and bet. And I always make that differentiation when I'm talking about stuff like this because I would bet on John Jones with 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 good odds. But I would be rooting so hard for Adesanya to beat him. I would yeah. really love to see Adesanya beat John Jones, but I don't I'm not sure that's the move I make if I'm Adesanya. I love it if he does though. Isn't that what we want from our fighters? Yeah, yeah that's exactly what we want. I well, think this this fight right here, this fight, Jones Adesanya may have literally started and ended on Twitter. <laughs> I think that was the whole fight. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. I, I, I'm, I'm. If I had to guess, that's probably the only time these two go toe to toe like this. We just quite, we just quite literally, blow for blow <laughs> at full speed, did all the Jones versus Adesanya stuff that's ever gonna have you. That's all you're getting, people. So I hope speed. you enjoy. You've got some reenactment <laughs> to enjoy. Knock yourselves out with it because I think that's you're all welcome. you're getting. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're I, white fans. I with John Jones. We've we've talked a lot about John Jones on this show. I, I have the feeling he knows what he's doing with this. He's trying to be like that heel. He knows he's not liked, especially after the last arrest. He knows people aren't going to like him, but they're going to respect him in the ring. But I think his last comment about the drug test, too. Did you see this? 
I guess I was dug in the drug test because I was high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a mess, but uh, <laughs> I, I think he's becoming the bad guy, and I think that's what we need. Like you said it right, Jared. You need that that underdog to root for. You know, to to build a fight, make a fight good, like. He he's the heel. Like we're at, people are tuning in to see Colby Covington. He's talking so much crap. True. But and I think John Jones is learning something from that. He's talked about wanting to go to WWE after he's done in the UFC. So why not incorporate a little bit of that into his uh, into his verbal warfare? You know. Yeah, you know what I was thinking. Now this isn't uh, this is a little bit off topic here, but you just reminded me of it. I was thinking this the other day. The problem with media and politics is that it's easier for the WWE to be consistently entertaining than it is for the UFC. You're right. And you want to know why? Because they're making it up. No, you're right. Vince McMahon, <laughs> the uh, the Fertitta brothers, when they bought UFC, they they – came to Vince McMahon asking to invest. They got a bunch of celebrities going to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon said, I'm not going to invest because the only way to have success is to create your own superstars. And the UFC, they can't. They don't have complete creative control of that because of fights and it's a competition. But Vince McMahon does. He can write out who wins, who loses, who gets the belt. Create that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, well, then that's the problem we're having. It's more entertaining. The media and politics we have now, it's more entertaining when you make it up. Did anybody notice in my recreation the two mentions of Conor McGregor? And again, I have to say to myself, is John looking at Conor's insanity and going, that's a good idea. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to do that. People will love it or hate it. To the point they love it. Or I love John other. Jones. John Jones is my favorite fighter. He's the guy I, I, I root hardest for oh, because really? I love how complicated this guy is. I really do. I I, I love guys who have issues off, off uh, out of the ring, right? Um, but when he's in the ring, he, he's, he's, he's one of the best. I mean, he's just one of the best issues. of all time. I kind of like that. I kind of like my guy to have some some personal turmoil. There's just something about that. But I don't want to see John start heading down that Conor McGregor path of like, it gets to be kind of a joke. I don't want to feel that way because Conor's, Conor's done that to me where I'm, I I stopped taking Conor seriously, and I don't want to do that with John Bones Jones. Well, Conor learned it from Mayweather and Mayweather's and – Jones is learning it from McGregor. We've taken the incentive away from these guys to to fight the other best guys in the division. We've taken the yeah. in, uh, incentives away from that. Like, unless you're self driven and inside yourself want to know you're the best, you might you might never find out because it's not it's not the way to get paid. John Jones, do you want to fight McGregor? You know, Adesanya McGregor. People will watch that. They don't know it's not the two best guys in the world. You're right. You are right. But uh, let's take a quick break, and then we will come back with 
the, tonight's fights. Welcome to Ivy League Murders. On this podcast, we focus on cases affiliated with the Ivy League, exploring the darker side of higher education. What happens when genius becomes evil? My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate, and I've been a private investigator since 1999. Join me and longtime crime diva, Laura McDonald, for Ivy League Murders. All right, all right. We have some great MMA tonight. Starting off, let's talk about UFC Fight Night on ESPN at 8 o'clock. The main event, Marlon Bantamweight's Mar- number one ranked Bantamweight, Marlon Marais, takes on number four ranked Cody Sandhagen. Jared, what do you think of this fight? Uh, um, Maras is uh, Marlon's on another level, man. I think uh, I think Sandhagen probably get outclassed here. I think the top four are Jan Garbrandt, maybe Sterling, and then everyone else. I think there's a little disparity here, and I think this fight's going to prove it. I think uh, Morris is in that top level, and Sandhagen is part of everybody else, and they're kind of on those lines, and this, this fight will show us that. Sandhagen is favored in this fight. Mm-hmm. I, I can't for the life of me understand that. Um, Moraes has been the number one Bantamweight contender for a while. Does yeah. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. He's beaten Jose uh, Jose Aldo. He guillotined Rafael Assuncao. Uh, uh, he knocked out Jimmy Rivera with a head kick. He knocked out Aljamain Sterling with a knee. And that's significant because Corey Sanhagen is the number four contender, 12 and, 12 and 2. Four knockouts. Three submissions, five decisions. He got choked out by Sterling a minute 30 into their fight. That is the only common guy they've got. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Sanhagen is a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's never fought anybody in this class of Moraes, and he's their favorite. And I'm, I'm confused. Is there something I don't understand? Is Sanhagen getting his black belt in a ceremony just before the fight? What? How is that even possible? I don't get it. I think Marais is going to destroy Sanhagen. I can't for the life of me understand how anybody's looking at this with Sanhagen as as, as a favorite. I think that's insanity. Uh, I think people saw uh, Marlon Marais versus uh, Henry Cejudo. And they kind of got down on him because it seemed like he had the fight won and then he, like, quit. And, like, he he thought he was going to get the knockout and he didn't. And then Henry Cejudo took control, ended up becoming the Triple C. But uh, I think this will be a lot closer than people think. Uh, I do think Marais will win. Marais is very, very, very good. But uh, the only way I see him winning dominantly is knocking Corey Sandhagen out. But I think Corey's good enough. He knows his game plan. He's going to stick to it. But I do see Marais winning by decision here. Now, let's talk about the co-main event. Featherweights, Edson Barbosa, number 14th ranked, taking on the unranked Marquan Americani. Jared, what do you think of this? Uh 
Barboza, right? I mean, yeah. I'd never heard of this other guy, and I never heard of anybody he fought. So, I mean, I think it's a good fight for him. You got, you got a guy in Barboza that everybody knows. You can put a name on that list. So if you can't win this fight, it's back to the drawing board. And if you can, you finally get to put a name I'm going to recognize on the list of people you beat. So congratulations on getting the fight. That being said, there's there's nothing in my research that suggests you can beat Barboza. I love Edson Barboza, but he's lost 8 of 15. He's only won one of his last six fights. But to be fair, I mean, Edson Barboza doesn't fight nobodies until, yeah. until this fight. And with good reason. Knockout lost to Gaethje. He lost to uh, Cerrone. He lost to Khabib. Um, but I, it's important, to, right, Jared? We're talking about this. It's important to there look at who again. he's yeah. fighting. He's Holly fighting. Holm lost four, five of her last nine. There you go. Five of her last nine. It, it, you know, Barboza's resume is the who's who. I mean, yes. it, that, that's who he's fighting. Um, I think, look, um, Amir Khani is 16 and four. He's got one knockout. He's a Greco Roman wrestling uh, wrestler. He's of uh, Iranian descent. He comes out of Finland. I'm I'm almost certain, if if I'm guessing, that this fight was was is meant to get Barboza back on the winning track. And and if uh, Amir Khani can can like you said, if he can pull off the upset, and I don't think there's any reason to think he can. But if Barboza you know can't get it together, hey, you never know. But I think this is this fight is meant to get Barboza back in the W column and 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 to get him back fighting the big names he's been fighting. Yeah, you you're right. Uh, Barboza looked uh, he struggled going down featherweight, and that, that's why he has the 14 next to his name, even though he's probably way up there. But um, the only game plan Americani has to have in this game is use utilize his Greco Roman wrestling to give the takedowns and try and hold Barbosa down. But when Barbosa going into the Barbosa and Khabib fight, multiple people who trained with Barbosa, Marlon Moraes, uh, Frankie Edgar, uh, Ally Quinta, Aljamain Sterling, all those guys in New Jersey there, they all said that Edson Barbosa was, was one of the best. Like They couldn't take down Edson Barbosa. And then Khabib did. So I, I think he's very underrated as far as like his ground game goes. The only way I see Americani getting the win is by takedowns. And I don't see him taking down Edson. I think this goes to decision because I don't think Edson has the power at featherweight that he did at lightweight. But, uh, yeah, Edson wins this. Americani is, I mean – uh, no disrespect to everything I hate about the UFC. These guys that uh, you know can Josh Kosh check their way through the through the divisions and through the classes and just bore you to tears. Winning fights by decision, laying on people. I mean, there's other stuff you can watch that's you know like that. <laughs> I don't. I'm not. I'm just not into it. It's why I went boxing, you know. I I I want I once I was like, all right, I I would like to be more of a well-rounded fighter and I went to a wrestling meet. And they had like just like this but white. Not sure if they were doing the a podcast guards. during the fight. Okay, whatever. Um and then the the 
leotard the singlet if I, if I may okay there you go um so yeah so needless to say that was the only time i was there um i wasn't into the ear guards and the singlet <laughs> or any of what was going on there none of it made sense to me i'm a little more you stand over there and if you get too close that's when i punch you that makes a lot more sense to me so the ufc especially in its early days when there were wrestlers and takedown defense was you know null and void for the most part boxers would get in there land a few and then end up rolling around on the ground with somebody they couldn't wrestle with for you know a half an hour um <laughs> this guy is that guy for me you know the guy that turned me off so hard to the ufc in the beginning because he wouldn't he didn't want to fight like want to fight to like try to hurt yeah. the other guy. Yeah. You're right, guys. Like we're here. Josh Costet, Josh Costic, and uh, Marquand Americani, right here. They're the, they're the, uh, like, lay on top of you guys. But then there, there are the guys like the Matt Hughes's, the Khabibs, who they wrestle, they lay on top of you, but they, they're looking for submissions. They're pounding you. So there Ortiz, is, a whole yeah, yeah, Tito Ortiz, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking to pound you out when we get down there, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, should be interesting. I, I think it will be pretty close, but I, I do see Edson winning it. Now, let's talk about Bellator coming up in less than an hour, eleven thirty on CBS Sports Network. Michael Michael Venom Page takes on Ross Houston, seventeen and one versus eight and zero. Welterweights, I'm excited for this fight. Jared, what do you think of this fight? Um, I mean, I'm excited too, but Ross Houston is another what I hate about mixed martial arts, man. He is the most boring kind of 8 and 0. Oh. And uh, I think Adesanya Light might put it on him here. Adesanya Light, I love that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Joe. Well, I was gonna say, you know, uh, I, I, I feel the same way. Houston is—he's uh, a—he's a Scotsman. I love this. I love the Scottish fighters. He wrestles. He works to close distance. Uh, doesn't like to be on his feet. He does hit hard. Not a lot of head movement and and questionable cardio with this fella. Eight wins, no knockouts, mostly been decisions. Meanwhile, Venom Page, uh, only loss. He was knocked out by Doug Lima. I, I think Houston gives him a fight, but um, I think the 79-inch the reach advantage that Page has is going to make it really tough for Houston to close the distance. Uh, I, I, I just don't think that Houston has enough in his arsenal to beat Michael Venom Page. Well, and it's, and it's fireworks versus drying paint, so I certainly hope Page dictates the pace. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, but uh, also Paige, very good striking. He is phenomenal. Undefeated boxer as well. Uh, he's boxing at the same time he's competing in MMA, which is really, really cool. But uh, Venom Page, he also has the ability to throw up submissions off his back. He's pretty good on the ground too. So I, I think he wins this pretty convincingly. Uh, Ross Houston's going to try what he does, but but – He's just going to end up falling into MVP's game plan, pretty much. So. Yeah. And then uh, tonight on Bellator, Bellator Euro Series, 
also on CBS Sports Network. The heavyweights collide. Czech Congo versus the UFC vet, Tim Johnson. Jared, what do you think? In three days, it will have been two years since Czech Congo beat Tim Johnson in 68 seconds by knockout. So I'm not sure why we're doing it again, but okay. Yeah, I think we'll get more of the same. Congo wins by knockout. It just seems it's. I mean, he's forty-five too, right? This is yeah. a little weird to be a main event. Like, is this what you had going on? You know, uh, uh, Logan Paul wasn't available, or yeah, seriously, right? So, Czech Congo knocked out Tim Johnson. The main event, right? At least make Venom Page the main event. That's the main event guy. No, Check that's the Congo. main event at eleven thirty on UFC. Uh, I oh, mean, Bellator. Oh, two. There's two, two cards. All right, both in Paris. Yeah, they should have put Congo on the undercard. He should be fighting right now. <laughs> Listen, Congo's last two knockouts were of Johnson and of Minikov. And Minikov's last knockout was of Johnson. And Congo just already knocked. I mean, why are we why are we doing this stupid fight again? Why I mean, I'm all for watching Czech Congo knock out Tim Johnson again. I hope it's it, it comes out slightly different. Uh, maybe a little bit longer, but I, I don't nine seconds. Sure. Give me 74 <laughs> seconds. That might be kind of neat. I don't know. Um, but I, this is a fight I don't understand. And it's a fight that I, I really, I, I think Tim Johnson has a 1% chance of winning this fight. Yeah. 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 I, I don't fair. disagree. Uh, Chuck Congo, no, nothing real special. Um, he's just like a middle of the road. If he were in the UFC, he'd be like a, a Dan Orlovsky type, like gatekeeper for these top guys. He's not like a real like heavyweight competitor. He's good. Don't get me wrong. Tim Johnson also pretty good, but Czech Congo is gonna, yeah, he's gonna finish what he started two years ago. I've also watched Congo Barry about eight or nine times this week because I mean, you guys all know that fight. Barry Congo, I mean, there was twice in that fight where Barry, Joe Rogan screamed he's out. They thought Chuck Congo was out. And then he got up somehow and Pat Barry drilled him again and flattened him and then got up. And as he charged back into Congo, Congo threw two rights and the second one floored Barry and he was out. And I thought to myself, you look at Chuck Congo. You look at that physique. I mean, that guy is like for 45, too. Holy smokes, dude. I'm 45. Look at me. Jeez. Tim Johnson's 35. Tim Johnson looks like your dad. I mean, that's not impressive. It's just not impressive. Chet Congo has the heart of a lion, and that right, dude, I mean, he's going to knock Tim Johnson out hard. Yeah, yeah, no, like from from a distance, it looks like okay, we've got a fighter, and oh, oh, nobody else showed up. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> camera guy, take off your shirt. And stand here. <laughs> you're fine. No, take off the uh, take off the apron. No, you can stop <laughs> serving. You can. <laughs> all right, all right. Now we're gonna end the show like we always do. 
And Jared, hit me with that flurry. Um, I've had a lot of people asking me about the origin story of Scrub Scrub, so that's what I'm going to try to cover today. I was bullied hard as a as a kid at home, in school, uh, basically everywhere I went. I didn't have any friends. I didn't fit on a sports teams. There wasn't really a spot for me. I remember trying skaters thinking, these kids don't really fit in. Maybe I'll be all right over there. And and I got picked on by the skaters, um, thrown into garbage cans, stuffed into lockers, all of the quintessential bullying stuff uh, I experienced. And um, then I switched high schools uh, in the beginning of my freshman year and went from a relatively ritzy East Lime High School um, to NFA, which was a little more uh, urban. And um, so the bullying got intensified, as, as one would imagine it would. And I had uh, lunch money taken from me. This was the hardest uh, few-day stretch where I took two sets of lunch money into school so that I could give one to the bullies and then still be able to eat. <clears throat> and that was really hard. Like, that was really difficult to do. It broke me down. Um, and one day, these ki three kids trapped me, and I punched one of them. And I'll never forget the way they reacted. They were all like, like when Simba roared and the three hyenas had him cornered and Mufasa was behind him. And, and he roared and looked up and they were all like, oh, shit. That was that was the moment. And, and you look in their eyes and there's fear and confusion. And they don't know what to do next. And it was this, like, it took me a long time to get my head around really what had happened there. Um, and I kind of went too far the other way over the next couple of weeks. I'd, I'd say I kind of turned into the bully a little bit. You couldn't say anything sideways to me without catching one. Um, and a few fights later, I'm all pumped up. I'm like, I'm going to go into a boxing gym. 14 years old, freshman in high school, walk into a boxing gym for the first time. And had another really rude awakening where I realized the best street fighters in the world were going to get smashed walking into a gym with any boxers. That there were there were amateur boxers that were like 2 and 18 that will beat up the toughest kid you know. Uh, I didn't... I didn't realize that. So I slowly started turning into... I've said before, I might be as tough today after... What are we looking at? 28 years of boxing on and off. I might be as tough today as I thought I was when I first walked into the gym. Um, so figuring that out really, really woke me up to the fact that these kids that were picking on me didn't know how to fight. They didn't want to fight. They were puffing up in an animalistic, like a, a barking sense but there was no bite attached to it. And I realized this was true of most of the tough guys that you might think that the, that the, uh, the gangsters and that people in prison or the motorcycle clubs would have a better percentage of people who could really fight. And they don't, they don't, the numbers really don't fit one demographic to the next until you end up in actual fighters. So knowing this, I want, I like started applying it to my life. And then um, it's a friend of mine's birthday party and the kids five, nine, 
150 pounds and he's having a birthday and uh, it turned in 20 to 25, let's say. And another buddy of mine is like 6'4", 285. He starts running up behind him and punching him, punched him in the shoulder. Bam. And the kid, ah, kid went down, you know, he's like twice this kid's size and just hammering him. And it, I think it was the third or fourth one. I think it was the fourth punch that really set me off. He comes up behind him and gave him a dead leg in the back of his leg. Pow! And the smaller kid just crumbled on the ground. And, and the toe flings in and goes, four. So that meant the kid had like 20 plus of these coming, right? <laughs> and I finally said, if you face him, if you face him and fight him, I think you'll be surprised how much harder he is to hit. I got these guys wrist wrapped up. I got um, gloves on them and they boxed a little bit and the smaller guy held his own. He, he smacked the bigger guy around a bit. You know, he had a lot of trouble. This bigger kid couldn't corner him, couldn't catch him, couldn't touch him with anything because they were facing each other. And they had a totally different relationship for the rest of that night than they would have before that. Um, the second situation like that was Dizzle and uh, and this kid, Dan, who was talking about his car being faster. And he was real proud of his car for some reason. He'd been drinking. He was talking a lot. And finally, Dizzle had just had it. Wrap your wrists up. Dan was like, are you serious? I'm so down with it. We went out in the garage. Dizzle beat the snot literally out of this kid. Um, and everybody that was there was like, I would like to try that. So we set up for a couple months down the road um, to to have, we scheduled a bunch of fights. Four of them ended up going on. My little brother had been calling me out for a while. We ended up fighting on that card. And uh, that was the first Scrub Scraps event. And we've done 62 of those over the last 17 years since. But uh, that's kind of how it started. And like I said, I'm I'm almost as tough today as I thought I was at 14 when I first walked into that gym. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and, like, kids kids that age, they need stuff like that. They need that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully everything goes well and you continue that. Definitely. Thank you, brother. But uh, this uh, Throne Jabs is brought to you by Clovercrest Media. Uh, come join the Clovercrest Media Podcast Network. Come join the CMG. Come make your own CMG podcast or choose from the multiple dare sports, uh, comedy, murder mystery, everything. Check it out. Clovercrestmedia.com. Uh, start your own podcast for $15 a month or the full service package for $50 a month. Make sure you check that out. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Uh, thank you, Jared and Joe, for joining me. Make sure you guys watch tonight's fights and tune in next week where we talk about them and recap them. Thank you, and we hope to see you next time. When, when I was 12 years old, I became a Jack Nicholson super fan. This happened almost overnight on an evening in February 1997 when I first saw The Shining. Here's Johnny! In those 20 plus years, I never stopped being a Jack Superfan. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Get ready for You Don't Know Jack, hosted by me. Subscribe today.
on your favorite podcast platform.